trouble is brewing in the kingdom. How will David's dynasty continue to rule in the midst of division within the nation? We'll discuss that and more today on The Bible Brief. In our last episode, we saw the establishment of the kingdom of Israel, and we briefly went through the first three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. We also learned about the Davidic covenant that included the promises of a dynasty, a throne, and an everlasting kingdom ruled by a future offspring of David. Finally, we gave the hint that things weren't going well in the kingdom. There was consistent division and power playing as people attempted to overthrow David and Solomon to rule in their place. Well, with the death of David's son, Solomon, dramatic events began to unfold in the kingdom. Now, while Solomon was ruling, there was a man among his servants who had fled Israel and exiled himself in Egypt for the rest of Solomon's life. He was biding his time to rebel against Solomon's son. And upon Solomon's death, this rebel comes back to Israel. Instead of submitting to the rule of Solomon's son, this man splits the kingdom and becomes the new king of a rebellious portion. After this kingdom division, this new rebellious kingdom becomes known as the kingdom of Israel, while the portion that remains with Solomon's son is called the kingdom of Judah. So the united kingdom under Saul, David, and Solomon has now been divided into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. From a geographical standpoint, the kingdom of Israel rules in the northern part of the territory in the land of Canaan, while the kingdom of Judah is in the southern part of the territory. Importantly, the kingdom of Judah retains its capital city of Jerusalem, where Solomon had built the temple for national worship of God. Well, politics will be politics. The kingdom of Israel, the northern rebellious kingdom, is concerned that the people will go back to Jerusalem to worship God at the temple. So the king decides to set up a new system of worship for the northern kingdom. Instead of worshiping the true God, this king sets up false gods made of gold for the people to worship instead of traveling to the temple in Jerusalem. This sets off a spiraling chain of events within the northern kingdom, Setting up these false gods was explicitly against the commands that God gave the people in His law, the law that He'd given the people before they entered the lands generations before this. I say that this sets off a spiraling chain of events because as we speed through the generations of kings in the northern kingdom, we see a continued rebellion against the law that God had set up. Almost every king sins against God egregiously in one way or another, and eventually, God responds to the people's sin. He sends them prophets. Again, these are people who speak God's words on God's behalf with God's approval. He sends prophets with warning messages to all of these kings in the northern kingdom of Israel. Turn away from your sin or bad things will happen. Don't you remember that God gave this land to us? He can take it away too. Messages with that character are given by God through the prophets. Yet over time, during this age of division, we see continued sin and rebellion within this northern kingdom. The prophets continue their warnings and eventually warn against another nation coming to invade Israel. Just as God expelled the people who were in the land before the Israelites, He would expel the Israelites with a different nation. And this comes to pass. Seeing opportunity for conquest— the Assyrian Empire sweeps in and conquers the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC. 
the wickedness and rebellion of the nation is vanquished as God allows an outside nation to conquer the northern kingdom, and the people of the north are spread among the Assyrian Empire's territories. As we shift to the south, away from the northern kingdom of Israel, and now to the southern kingdom of Judah, it just takes a few more years for the same thing to happen. The kings in David's dynasty, the dynasty that God promised would be an everlasting dynasty to David, these kings forget God's law and even lose record of it for a time. But despite a few periods of revival, they spiral into sin as well. And who does God send to warn them? That's right, prophets. These prophets issue similar warnings as the prophets to the north, but they are specific to say that it won't be the Assyrian Empire that conquers the south. Rather, it will be the Babylonian Empire that conquers the kingdom of Judah. Yet despite the warnings and the impending invasion of Babylon, the people still don't turn back to God. We need to discuss one particular prophet before we leave this episode, though. That prophet is Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says some very important things that we need to know as we move forward in the Bible story. So remember these two things. First, Jeremiah talks about what's going to happen after the southern kingdom of Judah is conquered by Babylon. He says that for a period of 70 years, the people of Judah will be in exile, but after that 70 years is complete, that they will be allowed to return to the land of Canaan again. 70 years. That gives us a clock to remember as we move into the next part of the Bible story. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, has given hope to the people that they will be able to return to the land again. Second, he talks about new promises that God will make to Judah and to their northern counterpart Israel. This is a key text in the Old Testament, so I'm going to read it in full to you from Jeremiah chapter 31. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the nation of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I'm their master. The Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel in those days. The Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Through Jeremiah, God was telling the people that he was going to do something new. Instead of obedience to an external law like he gave to those after the exodus from Egypt, sometime in the future, he was going to put his teaching within them and write it on their hearts. So much so that they won't even have to teach each other about God because everyone will know God. And that's not all. He caps off this promise, saying that he will forgive the sins of the people and won't recall them again. This new agreement is the greatest thing that the nation could hope for. They tried to follow the external law, and that didn't work. Instead, they needed God to change them from the inside out. They needed this new covenant, this new agreement full of wonderful promises. Promises to add to the promise of Eve's seed, Abraham's seed, David's dynasty and everlasting kingdom, God is setting the stage for something big. Yet while this hope is expressed, it's in the context of conquest. 
The people have been cast out, cast out of their land because they sinned against God. This should remind you of a couple in a garden that got cast out long ago. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Are you enjoying the podcast? One of the best ways for the show to grow is for you to share it with a friend. Will you do that today? We'd love to help more people understand the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022